due to the graphic nature of some of the topics we will be touching on, listener discretion is advised. Oh my god, she stabbed herself. Where? She fell with a knife. Oh no, her knife's sticking out. Oh what? There's a knife sticking out of her heart. Oh, she stabbed herself? I, I guess so. I don't know where she fell on it. I don't know. Okay, well don't touch it. Hello! Good morning, good evening, good night, good summer solstice. I don't know when this comes out, but welcome back to I for an Eye podcast. I am your host, Lisa, and I'm here with my trusty co-hosts, Matt and Joel. Say what's up, y'all. Hello. So th- this is going to age this podcast, but today I was listening to the David Kennedy episode just to see if everything was sounding good, and we started talking about how Thanksgiving just passed, and I was uh-huh. like, oh my God, by the time people listen to this, It'll be past Thanksgiving, past Christmas. It's kind of cool to see where you are. When we bring up what is going on in the world when we're recording these, I think it's kind of funny because that feels like it was decades ago. And by the time this comes out, that will be decades ago. I don't know. All right, but we're going to get into a crazy blind eye case. Joel, take it away. I'm excited to hear about this case. Yes, this is a good one. I'm excited as well. I wrote this case a while ago, and then I just wanted to, like, kind of run through it again. And I was like, oh, this is a good one. And since I went back today, I found the 911 call. So I was like, oh, yeah, it's an extra bonus. So this is a case that was recommended to me by one of my close friends. And I went home, again, aging us at Christmas time and was hitting everyone up. I'm like, I need all the Philly cases. I want them. Give them to me. So this is a local Philadelphia case. And... It's another story about a Penn Stater and another mysterious death. Ooh, you said that very excitedly, Jules. I'm really talking about this one. I'm I excited for you. I can't um, wait. All right. So today I'm going to talk about Ellen Greenberg. And Ellen was a 27-year-old first grade teacher living in Maniunk, which is a neighborhood outside of Philadelphia. On January 26, 2011, there was a big snowstorm coming into town, so Ellen was actually sent home from school early, which is one of the greatest things to ever happen as a teacher when you get to leave school early or a two-hour delay. Bless I anybody affiliated with any type of schooling would agree with you. Yeah, for sure. The day still counts versus a snow day. You have to make that up. If you go in and or if you go in late, it still counts, so... Love. Anyway, at the time, Ellen lived with her fiance, Sam Goldberg, in an apartment complex called the Venice Lofts. So I include that fact because I then looked up the Venice Lofts and I think that they've been renamed. I was just trying to put it into context of where in Maniac the apartments were, but I think that they, mu- they must have been renamed because I couldn't find anything regarding the Venice Lofts except information about this case. So Ellen's home early from work. Sam is home. And Sam finishes up a workout at their on-site gym facility and heads upstairs to find the apartment door not only locked with the normal locking mechanism, but the swing bar lock is closed as well. So I have a picture on the Google Doc for Lisa and Matt to look at. But think about when you stay at a hotel and there's literally a swinging bar and you kind of lock it in for extra security. So not only was the apartment locked, but the swing bar was locked. Obviously, Sam couldn't get in. He calls Ellen multiple times. He sends her the following text messages. So I'm going to read them all, but they were all separate texts. So keep that in mind. So he says, hello, open the door. What are you doing? I'm getting pissed. Hello, you better have an excuse. What the fuck? Ah, 
Last one, guys. Ready? You have no idea. Then Sam eventually breaks down the door. Oh, fuck. Because the door was locked? Right. The swing bar was locked, so he couldn't get in because it was more than just the regular key lock mechanism. That makes me happy, though, because that is an exclusive lock that you see in hotel rooms. And, like, yeah, he broke down the door, so apparently it's not super effective. But it makes me feel a little bit more safe. They're not effective in the research. I saw that there are various YouTube videos about how to break those open. So God, why do people have to be so rotten? I don't know. It's awful. So anyway. Sam could not enter through a window, and he could not enter through the balcony. I believe it said they were on the sixth floor. So he breaks down the door, and I have the 911 call. Help, I, 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 need, I need a emergency now. I just, I just walked to my apartment. My fiance's on the floor with blood everywhere. Oh, no. Oh, oh no. It's an apartment. What apartment number? <laughs> Please, Harry, please. She's bleeding from. She, I don't know. I can't tell. She's... No. So you have to calm yourself down in order to get you some help. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. She, I don't know. I, I'm looking at her right now. She, I don't, I can't see anything. She didn't, there's nothing broken. She's bleeding. Ellie. You don't know where she's bleeding from? Can't Ellie. Where the blood's coming from? It's, I think her head. I think she hit her head, I think. I think but it's not, it's everywhere. Okay, so it's everywhere. She might have fallen. Do you know yeah. what happened? I, she, she, she may have slipped. There's blood on the, on the table. Her, her face is a little purple. Okay, hold on for rescue for her. Stay on the phone. My, my, I just, my, I went downstairs to go work out. I came back up. The door was latched. My fiance's inside. She wasn't, she wasn't answering. So after about a half hour, I decided to break it down. I see her now just on the floor with blood. She's not, she's not responding. Okay. Is she breathing? She, I, <laughs> look at her chest. I need you to calm down. I need you to look at her chest. It's really. I don't think she, I really don't listen, think she is. Listen to me. Someone's on the way. Look at her chest. Is she flat on her bed? She's on her back. So I okay, bring her... Look at her chest and tell me if it's going up and down, up and down. I don't see her moving. Okay, do you know how to do CPR? I don't. Okay, I can tell you what to do, okay, until they get there. I want you to keep her phone. Oh, God. Hello? Yeah, hi, okay. Are you willing to do CPR with me over the phone until they get I, I, I have to, right? Okay, so get her flat on her back, bare her chest, okay? You want to rip her shirt off. Okay, kneel down by her side. Oh, my God. Ellie, please. Listen, listen, you can't freak out, sir, because you Okay, I'm trying not to. I'm trying not to. Her shirt won't come off. It's a zipper. Rip oh, my off. God, she stabbed herself. Where? She fell with a knife. Oh, no, her knife's sticking out. Oh, uh, what? There's a knife sticking out of her heart. Oh, she stabbed herself? I, can't, I guess so. I don't know where she fell on it. I don't know. Okay, well, don't touch it. Okay, so, so I just, just let her down. Here now, I mean, what do I do? No, I mean, you can't. If the knife is in her chest, it's going to be kind of hard for you to do CPR at this time. Oh, no. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Police, the shop reader. 277. Is All someone right, coming here? Yes, they are. You said 4601 Flat Rock, right? Yes. Okay, someone's on the way, and the knife is still inside? Wait, so what? The knife is still inside of her? Yes, I didn't take it out. Is it her chest or what area? It's, it's in her chest. It's like, it looks like it's, it looks like it's right in her heart. Okay, someone's on the way out there, okay? just get. Oh, my door. God, oh, my God. How okay, old is she? She's 27. 27, and there's no sign of life at all? No, 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 please don't be. What? Been trying to her arm and tell me she responds to pain. She's, 
Ellie. She's not. She's not. Her arm and her hands are still warm. I don't know if that means, but there's blood every. I mean. I know, but you can't. And the knife is still inside of her. How far? Can you see how far it went in? It looks pretty deep. Okay. It looks three inches. It's a long knife. Don't touch anything. Yeah, don't yeah. touch anything. Okay. I'm not touching anything. It's just, I can't believe this. Though. No way. It was just you there with her. We yeah, we're the only ones here. And she ran in the door. You said latched it shut. No, no, I I I went downstairs to work out, and I, when I came back up, the door was latched. Oh. Like it was, you know, it wasn't like it was, you know, it was like locked from the inside. And I'm yelling. And I saw it was some well, you know, yelling and broken yelling. into? No, 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 no. So there's no sign of a break-in? No, no sign of a break-in at all. I mean, there will be when you get here because I had to break the latch, but. To get in. Okay, 4601 Flat Rock, and this is a house, right? It's an apartment. I don't know why there was that weird music that happened in the middle of the 911 call. And I don't like to read too much into 911 calls, but I think that there was a lot there to unpack, and we'll get into it. Oh, I think you can read a whole bunch from that 911. Yeah, there's some things we'll discuss as we get further into this. But so Sam breaks down the door because Ellen isn't responding to calls or text messages. He has no other way to get in. He finds Ellen slumped over on the floor by their kitchen. It was later established that Ellen had 20 stab wounds, including wounds to her chest, abdomen, and 10 to the back of her neck. So I don't know if you guys have the Google Doc pulled up because I've never researched a case and had access to so many documents, graphics, et cetera. But there is a picture, which is pretty graphic, of the stab wounds. It was like, wait, quick question. Sorry. Were all of those sticking out of her? Is this supposed to show that this that is shows, like where they stab? Right. That shows all the different. I was going to say, if you showed up and someone was like, had no. this many knives sticking out of them. No. So Lisa is referring to this graphic image that we could post to Instagram, but it shows where the stab wounds were. Not that the knives were there. They are in the graphic, but just to show. So as we heard in the 911 call, there was a knife still protruding from Ellen's chest, and there's a big gash on the back of her head. At approximately 6.40 p.m. that evening, Ellen is pronounced dead. Initially, police treat the scene as a suicide. The next day, upon completion of Ellen's autopsy, the medical examiners rule Ellen's death a homicide. A few weeks later, in an almost unprecedented move, the medical examiner fell in line with the police and changed Ellen's cause of death back to suicide. I watched this really well done, in my opinion, documentary on oxygen about Ellen's case. And they talk about it was initially ruled a, a suicide and then it was changed to a homicide while they're at Ellen's funeral. And her dad literally says it and is like, someone killed my daughter. Then the rulings changed back to suicide. And that is where it stands to this day. I would literally fight someone. I don't understand how you could go back and forth 165 times. I don't know. How do you kill yourself by suicide with the 10 billion stab wounds? 20 total and 10 to the back of her neck. So I have- Where's medical examiner was doing this? So I have some details that I want to give you. I will caveat to say my details are playing devil's advocate a little bit, but I want to give you all the details that are out there because there's just a lot to unpack here, but then I want to know your thoughts. So- 
Once inside the apartment, police found that there were no signs of an intruder or that Ellen had tried to flee. So Matt, ironically, you had mentioned the window earlier, which wasn't feasible, but they did have a balcony. And because it had snowed, they were able to see that no one got in through the balcony because there was no footprints in the snow. So like I said, no sign of an intruder, no signs of Ellen trying to flee or put up a fight. She had no defensive wounds, all that sort of stuff. So the swing bar lock that I had talked about earlier could have easily been opened or closed from the outside. This could have been a total red herring, in my opinion, because we only have Sam's account that the swing bar was ever latched. If you look at the picture, and we'll make sure to post this as well, of the swing bar lock, Sam said he broke the door down and the locking mechanism is only a little bit out of the door frame. It's still attached. You can tell that it's broken, but it's not like I actually didn't realize it was broken at first until I went back and looked at the image again. Oh, wait, it's broken in that picture? Yeah, the one I included at the top. Is that the actual one? Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. There was so many pictures, documents all in this case. I've never I've never seen that before. And I think because all the work that Ellen's family is doing to figure out what went down, that that's why they've released all this stuff. Like I said, I think the fact that it was closed in the first place could have been a red herring because by the time, you know, anybody got there, it was impossible to say if it was closed or not in the first place because we only have Sam's account for it. The knife that was in Ellen's chest was tested later for DNA and showed only her DNA. There wasn't Sam's DNA on it. There wasn't a rando, you know, it was just her DNA. An independent medical examiner found no evidence of hemorrhaging from at least one of Ellen's wounds, which to kind of make sense of that, they said that the only reason that the wound would not have hemorrhaged was if Ellen was already dead at that point, meaning that at least one of them would have happened to her after she was already dead. Ellen's body had bruises in various stages of healing. A month or two before her death, Ellen's parents reported that she seemed anxious and unsettled. Her friends noticed this shift in her behavior as well. When asked, Ellen stated that she was stressed with work. When her friends would attempt to make plans with her, Ellen would say things like, I have to check with Sam. I'll have to see what Sam says. Ellen's parents, because she had disclosed her feelings to them, recommended that she see a psychiatrist, and she did. The psychiatrist told investigators that Ellen was feeling overwhelmed at work, but there was never any feeling of suicidal thoughts. The psychiatrist also reported that Ellen had nothing but good things to say about her fiancé. The psychiatrist asked about abuse, and Ellen denied any verbal or physical confrontations. Ellen was prescribed, I think, like Zoloft at first, but as they were working with her dosage, she settled on Ambien and Klonopin. So that's what she was taking at the time of her death. Ellen and Sam were set to marry in August of 2011, and this was in January of 2011, and four days before her death, Ellen had mailed out Save the Date cards. Ellen's parents hired Cyril H. Wecht, who was a forensic pathologist from Pittsburgh. He reviewed the case and determined that it was strongly suspicious of a homicide. So He's very famous, actually. He is. I have that as my side note. Yep. Yeah. He also stated, I don't know how they wrote this off as a suicide. So what Matt's referring to is this Cyril Wecht, and I don't know that I'm pronouncing that correctly. He famously challenged the single bullet theory of the JFK assassination. So just an interesting side note there. Ellen's parents also hired a forensic scientist, Henry Lee. Lee 
side note, testified for the defense in the O.J. Simpson trial. So they were pulling out all the stops. And that's what I was referring to earlier, that Ellen's parents were really trying to gain some clarity on what went down. And they hired so many of their own people. But Henry Lee is quoted as saying, the number and types of wounds and bloodstain patterns observed are consistent with a homicide scene. They also recruited former homicide prosecutor Guy D'Andrea to review Ellen's case, and he did that in 2015. He stated that the blood path defies gravity. You don't need to be a pathologist to have an appreciation for that. Either she moved herself or someone moved her. So there was blood, and it was shown to be dripping from Ellen's nose to her ear. That only could have happened if she was laying down, yet her body was found, and I put found in air quotes, sitting up. Additionally, blood splatter on her shoes suggested that she had been standing when some of the wounds were inflicted. So again, I'm just giving you lots of detail here to wrap your brain around. Gregory McDonald was the chief deputy coroner for Montgomery County, and he noted that the stabs went through Ellen's clothing, which is important to notate because he said that most people, if they inflict stab wounds themselves, pull their clothing up. They don't go through their clothing, which I never even thought about. Allegedly, Ellen's recent search history on her computer included the terms suicide methods, quick suicide, and painless suicide. I will insert here the fact that Sam's family had Ellen's personal computer, work computer, in the days after her death. So in my opinion, this is shaky to say that those were her recent search terms. But again, just wanted to include it. Wait, could you say that one more time? I'm sorry. So what were her search terms? Suicide methods, quick suicide, and painless suicide. So they're attributing that to the suicide theory. But Sam's family had the access to the computer. So I think that's very shaky at best. Additionally, some of Ellen's recent text messages were highlighted, again, to kind of point to the suicide ruling. Ellen had texted her mom on January 8th, which was a little around two weeks beforehand. And she had said, I'm starting the med. I know you don't understand, but I can't keep living with feeling this way. Interesting message. New technology called photogrammetry, which was unavailable at the time of Ellen's death, and which we now have access to, created a 3D anatomical recreation of Ellen's wounds. That might be what we're looking at above that, the photogrammetry. But it demonstrated that not all 20 wounds could have been self-inflicted. Furthermore, on the stab wounds, it's basically impossible to know the order of the stabs, apart from the fact that the final blow was to Ellen's heart, and we know that because the knife was still in her chest. But if one of the first stab wounds was to her neck, and if it had lacerated Ellen's spinal cord, she would have been rendered incapable of fighting back from anybody if there was another person there. The medical examiner told investigators that a neuropathologist had examined the spinal column and said that the knife had not pierced it, meaning that Ellen would have been able to defend herself if she was being attacked. However, Guy D'Andrea, the former homicide prosecutor that I had mentioned earlier, asked for the neuropathologist's report, and he was told that it couldn't be found. The Emmy's office did not have a neuropathologist on staff at the time, so they allegedly commissioned Dr. Lucy Rourke Adams, who, when 
questioned about this had no record of ever being commissioned to study Ellen's spinal column. There was no invoice for her services, no log of entry, no recollection on her part from a case that is pretty unusual and, and memorable. The Greenberg family then hired their own neuropathologist who determined Ellen's spinal cord had been severed and that her brain was pierced in two forceful stabs to the neck. She could have neither defended herself nor harmed herself any further after those blows. And as we know, those were not the last stab wounds. Basically, to summarize that, because I know that was a hot freaking mess, the Philadelphia medical examiner stated that the spinal cord was not severed, meaning that Ellen could have fought back and could have continued to injure herself. The Greenberg family neuropathologist is saying, nope, not accurate. There were two really damaging stab wounds to her neck. And after those stab wounds, she could have inflicted no further harm on herself. So how then are there all these other stab wounds? Additionally, the Greenberg family neuropathologist that they hired found signs of strangulation. So there's a lot of things not adding up here. Investigators previously were told that Sam broke down the apartment door in the company of an apartment building worker. Basically saying he went up to the door, he found that it was locked with the latch bar, then he went down to, you know, someone working at the apartment complex and said, I can't get in, you know, and, and was asking for help and assistance. That's what he told police. He said that the worker followed him back up to the apartment. That's when the door was broken down, and that's when he found Ellen. Well, surveillance video from the apartment shows that Sam went down to seek the assistance of the apartment worker and then took the elevator back upstairs alone. The worker later denied helping Sam, and in fact, he told Sam that he couldn't help him, and then if Sam broke down the door, he would be responsible for any damages. So Sam lied about having another person there with him when he found the body. Another detail about Sam and the timing of the evening was by the time Sam had entered the apartment and called 911, it was 6.33 p.m. Guy D'Andrea points out that's an hour since he started trying to contact Ellen. He said, I don't know about you, but if you're gone 30 minutes and you get back and the love of your life isn't responding, how long before you think there's something really long here? 10 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour? So the timing is off, you know, something's fishy. And in fact, it's said that Sam called at least two other numbers before he called 911, one being his parents and one being his uncle, who was a very big shot attorney in Philadelphia. Another interesting side note about the timing and the whole logistics of the day, Sam allegedly went to the gym in work boots. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm working out in my sneakers. More recently, in October of 2019, Ellen's parents filed a civil suit against the Philadelphia Medical Examiner's Office and Dr. Marlon Osborne, who was the pathologist who conducted the autopsy. The suit seeks to change the manner of death from suicide to homicide or undetermined, at least. They're open to an undetermined cause of death, but just to say that it's suicide is just absurd. The Greenbergs are citing new information and the fact that Dr. Osborne admitted to changing the manner of death at the insistence of the police. The reason it flopped back, because they had changed it to homicide after looking at Ellen's body, and the reason that he flopped it back to suicide was at the insistence of the police. 
In January of 2020, the Philadelphia Court of Common Pleas allowed the case to proceed past the motion to dismiss stage. The trial was set to begin in 2021. As of October 21st, 2021, a judge has decided to allow the case to go to a non-jury trial. As I mentioned earlier, there's a really well done episode. It's called Accident, Suicide, or Murder. And they, I guess it's a whole series where they talk about accident, suicide, or murder. But the specific episode on Ellen's case, I would highly recommend watching if you have the time. You can tell that her family's behind it, but they just want understanding of what happened to their daughter. There are three main theories which I want to point out first, and then I want to hear your thoughts. The first one, which I'll keep my mouth shut, is that Sam killed Ellen and then staged the scene as a suicide. I went down a whole Reddit rabbit hole about this, which was a great use of my time. This is about to be how I spend my night tonight. For real, for real. People point to the angry text messages, which I am so glad we have access to because it truly does showcase Sam's anger and, you know, at least verbal abuse towards Ellen. Like, if I got back to the apartment and Zach had locked me out, I'd be annoyed. But the very last message, you have no idea. What does that mean? It's very weird. So people point that out. On the other hand, there was people saying that if he did murder Ellen, wouldn't he try to send nicer messages to avoid portraying himself in an abusive and shithead light? People said maybe they had gotten into a fight and Sam stormed off to the gym to try to cool off. Interesting note here with the 911 call. I said we talk about it. I don't know if you caught the way that Sam phrased, oh, she stabbed herself. Versus saying something like, she's been stabbed or someone stabbed her. He, that was sorry. the first thing I recognized right. on that call. Besides the 911 operator wanting nothing to do with that man. The fact that the first thing out of your mouth was she stabbed herself. Boy, please. I think the first thing I noticed was that she didn't notice the knife. She's laying on her back and he didn't notice the knife sticking out of her. You mean one of the 20 holes in her wasn't obvious to you, bro? Which one was it that you couldn't see? The 11 in her head or the other 12 in her chest? Right. I don't know. The whole thing is hanky to me. Right. Let me get through a couple more things here, and then we'll talk. The bruising in various stages of healing is suspicious. They made note, especially in the documentary, to say, you know, Ellen wasn't out playing rec sports or, you know, in kickboxing classes. Where are these bruises coming from? We don't know. Another theory was that <laughs> some random ass mystery intruder somehow snuck in and killed Ellen in a blitz attack. As I had mentioned earlier, the snowstorm was actually really helpful in this case because they were able to see the balcony had no footprints to show an intruder entering. And the apartment security showed no one random entering. Anybody in that time frame was a resident of the apartment complex. Nobody was unaccounted for. So if there was this random ass intruder that happened to get on in the time that Sam left to the time he came back, where did they come from? Third theory is that Ellen had committed suicide. On this same Reddit thread that I was reading, someone pointed to Ambien's hallucinogenic effects I don't know anything about that, so I'm not going to speak to it too much, but they said that maybe Ellen wasn't intending to hurt herself, but was stabbing at something that she thought was on her body. 
It was noted that typically women do not commit suicide in such a manner. Lots of conversation was had in regard to the strength and force necessary to inflict some of these stab wounds. There are so many details about this in terms of the length of the incisions, which I don't even go into, but you know they require a lot of strength and force. Especially we're talking about the back of your neck, whatever. Another note here, Ellen and Sam had plans. They had their wedding coming up. Sam's birthday was the following week and Ellen had made reservations for dinner. She had filled up her gas tank that very same day. And that's not to say that people don't have a moment of vulnerability and they make a suicidal decision, but just giving you all the info. So what do you guys think about this? So your points are almost exactly what I've been thinking this whole time. As we've talked about before, I am in nursing school currently, and it's a fast-track program, so I just got out of my behavioral rotation where we talk at length about suicide. And the, f- the first thing that threw up red flags for me was the 911 call where he immediately said she stabbed herself. Weird thing to suspect if I saw one of my friends or family members stabbed on their floor. I would think somebody else did it, not that they did it to themselves, one, but two, That is a very, 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 very rare way, not to say it doesn't happen, but a very, very rare way for a female to commit suicide. Typically, males do things that are more gruesome and and perceived to be quicker, whereas females typically take their life with pills or in a more, quote unquote, peaceful or less jarring way. And I have so many cases that this rings bells of. Because there's so many cases like this where they rule it a suicide and you're like, how, in what planet, in what world? And as far as the Google searches go, who's to say she made those? Who can prove that she's the one who typed those out? And I don't know. It's just a whole lot of absolute craziness. And I'm curious what Matt thinks, but I think, Sam, you guilty as fuck, boy. I just want to know, though, how any professional... Honest to God, ruled this as suicide. If you have a bazillion stab wounds all over your body to the back of your neck, back of your head, the back of your body at all, try go ahead, just try to even scratch your back, let alone hold a knife and do the stabbing motion. That is a difficult place to reach with a loofah, let alone a knife. And it makes me kind of sad and disappointed in the professionals that would have ruled this any other way. And it seemed like they did it quickly. It seems like immediately they took his word for it and ran with it. They left Ellen's apartment that same night and had ruled it a suicide. That just seems like lazy work to me. It just seems like they didn't want to do their job. They didn't want to have panic. And I know this is not indicative of all police forces, but I feel like sometimes they don't want to cause panic or they want to make sure that the public is not afraid. So there's no panic. And so they're quick to rule things a suicide when at all they can. And in this case, it makes zero sense. And the fact that they went back to Suzette, I'd like to know where that ruling specifically came from. What full-blown, point-by-point analysis did you do of her body and of the scene and of the evidence that would make you believe without a shadow of a doubt that this woman killed herself? Please, somebody explain that to me. I need answers. Matt, what do you think? I think this motherfucker did it. And playing short. Right. And so as I was looking back through this today, I was thinking about Adnan. You know, I'm obsessed with Adnan. And it seems like 
there's just no other explanation. Okay, you know, I'll go down the intruder theory. Where are they coming from? There's no balcony entrance. They're not coming through the front door. They're not coming through the balcony. Where is this intruder coming? Are you trying to tell me they were already in the apartment just waiting for their moment of strike? No, I'm sorry. That to me is not feasible. And the suicide, you know, maybe if there was a different manner of death, I would be a little more open to that theory. But as Lisa mentioned, women, and not that it has never happened or will never, typically don't kill themselves in that sort of manner. And the strength and just agility, how would you reach like that? We'll have to post this picture, but it's unreasonable to think that she could have inflicted these wounds. It's that- almost laughable. Right. Wait till our listeners see this picture. This rendition of the drug first all just looks absolutely That's insane. Yeah, possible to me that anyone could roll this as suicide. It it almost looks like she has one of those feather hats on. That's how many knives are sticking out of her head in this picture to show how many knives. Let's everybody take a moment, take your hand and put it in the back of your head and think about not only the logistics of this but the pain of this right probably three of those if not just one of them especially the ones sticking out of her neck would have been enough to cause absolute pain and to the point where you probably have to stop it just really is disappointing that they're so quick to write off this case and i kind of want to know why what benefit does it give to let this most likely a killer go loose what benefit is that? So when it happens again, then what? You know, then what are you going to do? Why is nobody looking into this and investigating it? If we as non-detectives can be like, yo, wait a minute, there's something wrong here. Where the hell is everybody else? And Jules, I'm going to watch the oxygen thing, but what did they kind of conclude? What was suicide accident or murder thing? Did they give a conclusion? So, like I said, you can tell that Ellen's family is behind it, but they did a really great job, in my opinion, of not having it be a bash Sam fest. You know, it didn't seem to me that they wanted Sam to go to prison. Like, at this point, he's remarried. He has his own life. It doesn't seem that they want him to go down for this. I think they just strictly want to change her manner of death to undetermined. They didn't need it to be homicide, but they didn't want it to be suicide because they were convinced and positive that she did not commit suicide. So that was a long way to answer your question, but basically they didn't have a resounding theory, at least in my opinion, and you can tell me your thoughts afterwards, but it was more that there just was no way it could be suicide. See, they're being way too nice to this guy. I get it. You're innocent until proven guilty. But it doesn't seem like anybody is investigating him. And I just still don't understand why they did flip it to murder. And then all of a sudden, they're like, nope. nope." I mean, if you listen to the Natalie Holloway episode, one of the main complaints was they tried to try it so many times. But so the, the resounding theory in the Natalie Holloway case, which we just recently covered, so go listen to that. One of the resounding problems with that case that a lot of people had problems with is the police came to too quick of conclusions so much so that they didn't have the evidence to back them up or hold. Or Van Vandersloot, whatever the fuck his name is, monster bitch. 
Serena Vanderbilt's face. Yeah. But it seems like the exact opposite is happening in this case. And it makes me think back to Natalie Holloway because when we talked about that case, I said I was kind of annoyed that they didn't take their time to present it the second, third, and fourth time because after the first time you got it wrong, you'd think you'd come back, think about it, get more evidence, try to solidify things. But in this case, the opposite happened. And it seems like they just so quickly were like, oop, it's suicide. Maybe it's not. Oop, it's suicide. Yeah, like, no, it's definitely suicide. I just really, I wish that they would release, and maybe they haven't. I just haven't seen it because this case is new to me. I wish they would release piece by piece why investigators were able to rule this a suicide. I feel a lot into Ellen's mental health which is why I wanted to include those. I tried to be very yeah. in the information that well, I portrayed. 100%. And, and we covered Timothy Pitson's case, and his mom committed suicide in this kind of way. She slashed her neck and her wrists. So it right. is something that can happen. It's right. just rare. And then again, okay, so maybe she was suicidal, and maybe she did have these ideations, but look at how she was stabbed. Right. Where is the confusion? I'm not sure. And we have a lot that we'll share in regard to this episode, but I didn't include it. And not that it needs to be included because all victims should be treated the same way. But Ellen is this absolutely gorgeous girl. She has a smile that looks like a supermodel. She's gorgeous. And like I said, that doesn't make us have any more or less sympathy, but she is just this bubbly, bright person. Her friend is on the documentary crying. It's just awful. And so we have a lot of resources to share in regards to this case and a lot of pictures because there is so much available. But we'll also share there is a Justice for Ellen Facebook page because her family really has a lot of support. They're just like not able to there's nothing that's happened yet. And so the October 21st of 2021, I looked for more details on that non-jury trial and I haven't found anything yet. So if we do get further information, we'll share that. And I'm sure if you follow the Justice for Ellen Facebook page, they'll post updates there as well. There's also a GoFundMe page because as I mentioned, Ellen's family has spared no expense in terms of hiring their own outside investigators and pissed and all this sort of stuff, as well as a change.org petition, which I signed as soon as I heard about this. I'm curious. So, so I know it's going to trial and the trial is from Ellen's parents to the medical examiner's office, essentially petitioning to change the ruling from suicide to homicide, which we talked about on an episode actually with Murderish. We talked to a woman whose brother was killed and it was ruled a suicide. The name is escaping me right now. We'll have to get it on our show because I had this recording and I did it for Murderish, but then that was on her channel, not ours. But it's so hard to change those rulings because it they're very, especially the state medical examiner, they're very, very, very reluctant to admit that they're wrong because then it puts into question all of their work and that can be, you know, right. troublesome. But what I'm curious about and I probably should actually know this based on the other cases I've looked into where families take the medical examiners to court. I wonder if they change it to homicide. If then, not that they're forced, but if then there'll be a push to figure out who did it. Because like, yeah, you can have unsolved homicides that happens all the time, like Zodiac Killer. Nobody knows who that was. But I'm curious if this got changed to homicide, if then they would reopen the case into Sam or the like and see if 
I don't know. I'm just kind of surprised that her parents aren't super like, bro, look at this guy. What is up with this man? Yeah. And it was interesting because I wrote this case so long ago. I then went back and I was like looking at more information, listening to things, watching things to get people's perspective. And this has been covered on a lot of big true crime podcasts. And it was interesting to note how some of them took a very harsh, not harsh, it's not the right word, a very strong stance to say, Sam did it. Or others that had a stance that like, I don't know what happened. And I obviously don't know what happened with 100% certainty. But I think what's also to be said with 100% certainty is that it does not seem likely that Alan committed suicide. One plus one is not equaling two here is equaling like three. Million. Like not even a little bit. I'm very excited to watch this documentary. I think thing on it. Yeah, it's not a documentary. I keep using that term. I know it's the episode, but it's good. It's just, I'm looking at pictures of her right now and they have a lot of the diagrams of her body and stuff. There's so much available about this case. And I think that's partially because is trying to bring so much attention to it. It's just unbelievable. It, It genuinely makes no sense. I don't even have words to describe that. Like, how so we're gonna cover it 100 percent. i'm gonna write it soon because it's one of my there's two cases but that are both kind of like this but and we're gonna cover them both but have you ever heard of rebecca's house case i think i sent it to yes. you they ruled that one a suicide too and i'm we're gonna talk about it like, but something needs world. to be done and i think yeah. it should also be easier for families to petition and we'll talk about it in that case too i do know that a lot of time the flip side to fighting with a suicide ruling is okay what about grieving families what if they refuse to accept okay something that was very clearly by suicide wasn't by suicide but there's stipulations to that this girl was stabbed in the back of the neck a bazillion times the back of the back a bazillion times she looks like a porcupine in this rendition of the way this isn't an emotional plea that Ellen's parents are trying to make. This is scientifically, forensically not a suicide. Okay, so say she took this route, she'd probably cut her wrists and maybe her throat. She wouldn't stab herself in the back of the head 20 times. Yeah. There's a really good podcast that I recommend. I'm looking up to see what the name Christian Androcchio. The podcast is called Culpable, and it does what we have talked about a little bit in covering one case over a whole show or season, and that's what they do here. And so Christian was found dead in his apartment, and it was ruled a suicide. And the whole thing is there's all these other people, other players in the game where it's like, what is their culpability here? It's a really good podcast. I would recommend it. Um, But I mean... In Ellen's case, as much as I think I know what happened to John Bonet, I love to hear the theories. And with this, I just feel like there's not that many theories because, like I said before, where would the intruder be? You're telling me they were in the apartment the whole time? No. It is curious that, although you said that you watched a YouTube video and kind of how to do the opposite, but that, again, I don't think this proves that this was a suicide by any stretch, but it is interesting that the door thing was locked. But that's only Sam. We only have Sam's account for that. You know what? We need to get this motherfucker and put him under a light, a very strong heat light. And in that same regard, they said that those little switch bars could be locked and unlocked from the outside. I believe that because I have seen some weird shit on TikTok. I don't know. It's crazy. Even if it was 
locked. He could have gone in, committed this horrible act, gone back out, and relocked it from the outside. I'm just perplexed. I am like genuinely, like my face is just like, hmm. And I'd be pissed if I was the parents. Thank God they have a GoFundMe, and thank God they have a Change.org thing. And I hope the courts look into this again and realize they've made a grave mistake. And then I hope. On top of that, not only do they rule this a homicide, they look into it and try to figure it out. Because like you said, two plus two equals four, bitch. You have the two and you have the two. You know who the four is, so figure it out. Right. And the first suspect in these kind of crimes is the boyfriend. Right. Okay, so one strike against them. Who found her? The boyfriend. Well, it seems like he was never even looked at. Yep. It's like literally all signs point to him. And I know there's some crazy offshoot cases where that's not the case. But two plus two, man, does not equal 18. It equals four. You have the equation in front of you. Why are you refusing to look into it? Does this man's family have money? Does he have money? Remember I pointed out that it was stated that his family and his uncle, or his parents, his uncle is his family. It was said (laughs) he called his parents and his uncle before he called 911. Yeah, there is a guilty man on the streets, allegedly. I think there's no two ways about it. I think of the theories we have, that is the one that makes the most sense for me. But I would love other theories. That's why it's like unsolved crimes, because you can kind of spiral and it gets out of hand. But there's not that many theories. I don't know. Matt, what are your thoughts? You've been quiet. You're just set in stone. It was him. him. I'm letting you guys go. To whatever extent you want, because I truly believe this is pretty cut and dry. It seemed yeah. to me like this dude got really mad, lost his shit, kicked out his door, blamed it on the door being locked or whatever. Maybe, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't make sense, but I think he totally lost his shit, stabbed his girlfriend to death, and then in a panic realized what he'd done and called 911 and barely attempted at even getting himself away from the responsibility of it by saying she stabbed herself i can't see where the knife is but oh wait there it is it's sticking right out of her heart in the middle of her fucking chest i didn't notice that four-inch knife until now plus the fact that it doesn't make sense that she could have stabbed herself that many times to me this guy is obviously the murderer and is very lucky that Somehow they didn't notice that. I don't know. I don't know what to say. This one to me is perplexing because it seems very obvious what happened here. And sometimes I think the justice system gets in its own way by trying to prove beyond a reasonable doubt. I mean, it's pretty much hard for me to imagine or conceive any other possibilities here. Yeah. You know, like what else could have happened? I don't believe that there was an intruder and he just somehow slipped by the lock and, and you know, didn't leave footprints. I don't believe it's possible that she killed herself. I don't know this, but maybe he killed her, went out the door, flipped the lock around, caught it on it, pulled it shut, and then after a second, hit the fucking door. Right. That's why I said you could easily lock and unlock those swing bars from the outside. Yeah. Not at all inconceivable. I don't know. To me, there's just so much evidence as to who it could have been. I'm surprised he wasn't covered in blood. Maybe that's one reason they didn't find him guilty. The time to get rid of 
bloody items that he was wearing. Yeah. I don't know. I just think the ruling of suicide is absolutely absurd. Yeah, it's completely ridiculous to me. I can't see that with any actual conclusion. Right. And I think they used her mental health as a convenient cop-out. She was a teacher. She was planning a wedding. She was stressed. That's not anything out of the ordinary. Her psychiatrist specifically said that she did not have any suicidal thoughts or fears or anything. So I don't know. This one hurts my brain. But as I read through it again today, I got really excited to share it with you guys. Definitely a great blind eye case, honestly. I mean, it's one of those annoying mysteries where you're like, God, I'm pretty sure I know what happened here. But like, in the meantime, there's a woman's family who unfortunately is still trying to figure that out. Right. And I would say I give it like 99% certainty. There's, I'm always open to, you know, some other strange and unlikely theory. Why? Even fucking aliens, Jules. You know, maybe this right. Predator. <laughs> it was the skinwalkers. Thank God, guys. You just remind me why I love doing this show so much. I have so much fun. You know what? Soon we're starting this fucking. I'm gonna start writing, but I am too scared to talk about skinwalkers. We're doing conspiracies and folklore. If it kills me inside, I made our graphic for it. If it kills us on the outside because I'm. <laughs> Did you see that TikTok I sent you about the skinwalkers and it was like a tree running? I can't. I can't. I'm I'm too scared. (laughs) My sister told me about on Morbid, they do listener stories. Yeah. yeah. Alisa, I will send you the episode with the time. I literally, so I was in the kitchen. Well, your house is haunted, so I understand why you'd be afraid. It was Friday night. It was already dark. Zach was downstairs working out. I was in the kitchen, and then I had to go upstairs and take a shower, and I was like, I'm too scared. I can't go upstairs. I literally freaked myself out. Well, you guys, it's been real fun. I'm very curious to hear what our listeners had to say. I'm so curious what you guys think. We'll have to chat about it. I'm wearing our dog pod squad. Hoodie is my favorite thing. It has all of our babies on it. Little peanut, little rangy, and little ninny, our pod squad mascots. And it's also very comfortable. Go check out our merch store if you haven't already. We appreciate your support. And I love doing this show with you guys, and I'm happy. And on that note, thank you for joining us. Rate, review, subscribe. Check out our merch store. Goodbye. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Comfortable. 